Hello, my name is Sheila and I would like to welcome you to my podcast All About You. I love to listen to podcasts and especially conversations with famous people. However, I think everyone has a story to tell. Maybe a place you have visited, a hobby you enjoy or anything that you feel would be of interest. I want to have conversations with lots of different people and hear their stories. So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on my email allaboutyoupodcast at yahoo.com. Welcome to the All About You podcast. Have you ever heard of Enneagrams? No, me neither until a few weeks ago. I discovered it's a system to understand your personality. I wanted to know more, so my guest today is Marnie from the United States, and she's going to throw some light on this very interesting topic. Marnie, welcome to the All About You podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Well, I'm really looking forward to this conversation because Enneagrams have really sparked my interest and I'm looking forward to hearing from you more information. So, Marnie, would you like to introduce yourself to everybody, please? Sure. Yeah. So my name is Marnie. Um, I live in California in the United States and I am a licensed clinical social worker. I'm also a spiritual director and an Enneagram coach, and I've known about the Enneagram for about six years, and it's just really transformed how I see myself and how I see other people. Um, so I love talking about it, and I'm so excited to share, to share about it with you. Well, that's perfect. So we've hit the jackpot, then we've got an Enneagram coach. So we are at the top of the tree now. Okay, Marnie, let's start with what exactly is an Enneagram? Yeah, so the Enneagram, it's made up of two Greek words, Ennea, that means nine, and Gramma, that means something that's drawn or written down. So Enneagram refers to the symbol, nine-pointed star also forms a circle. And it's a method for understanding our personality, but also why we do what we do. That's what kind of makes the Enneagram special is it looks at our motivations. And it actually has a lot of traditions and schools of thought that have informed it. But really what we know as the Enneagram now is only 60 years old. Some people think it's this ancient tool the symbol dates back to 495 BCE, but the Enneagram as a system for understanding personality is relatively new. Okay, so that's really interesting. So in theory, it goes back a very, very long way. There are nine personality types. So how do we find out which of the nine personality types we are? So there's lots of different ways to approach this. Um, there's online tests that you can take. Some are free. Tests can have some limitations, though, because tests only reflect what you know about yourself. So it's limited by your own self-awareness. So this can also just be a tool for growing and learning more about yourself. Sometimes people also answer test questions as who they want to be rather than who they really are. So sometimes tests aren't as accurate. 
if you have someone in your life that knows about the Enneagram, sometimes just asking them what they think you might be and then researching that and learning about it can be helpful, as well as speaking with someone like myself who's really well versed with the Enneagram. I can kind of point you in some directions. But sometimes just doing your own research, you can suddenly read a description and be like, oh my gosh, that's me. And it can feel a little vulnerable or Sometimes if we feel annoyed with a specific number, I tell people that might be your number because we often know ourselves and know the annoying parts of ourselves. And so that can also be an indicator that that's your type. I think that is so funny the way you've said that. So, for example, when we've done a test and it gives us our number and then when we sort of read the characteristics of that number and then we sort of read something that maybe we know, we know that maybe we're not an organized person but we know that about ourselves we're a bit well yeah I know but you know we'll just brush over that sort of thing and I think that's quite a funny point because I think we all know ourselves to a certain extent if we had to describe ourselves in three words but I think the Enneagram goes deeper yeah I agree so Can we go through the nine different types just briefly? Yeah, absolutely. And typically when people go through the types, they start at the top of the circle. So I'm going to do that too. So number nine is at the top and then we'll go around the circle. So nines are called the peacemaker. They tend to be calm. They enjoy comfort. They dislike conflict and can be really agreeable. And they can be really good mediators because they can see all different perspectives at once. Um, They often have a hard time knowing what they want because they often default to what other people want. And they are the most stubborn number. (laughs) They don't like to be pushed or rushed. Ones are called the reformer, tend to be perfectionists. They want to do the right thing. And so they're often very aware of expectations and rules. They're usually involved in some kind of self-improvement, and they can easily see how other situations and even other people can be improved. So this can sometimes feel like they're being critical of you, but just know they're also just as critical of themselves, um, and they have a very strong inner critic. Number two is the helper. They're very aware of the needs of other people. They're generous, but they often ignore their own needs. And they tend to work in roles like teachers, counselors, nurses. They find their purpose in helping other people. And they can struggle with feeling frustrated in relationships because they tend to give more than what the other person gives. So they struggle with some resentment. Type three is the achiever. They're very success oriented. They can be competitive, dedicated. They enjoy being recognized for their efforts. They're very driven. Um, but they can sometimes overcommit and struggle with burnout. And they can also become too image focused. Often they're in the role of influencers. So social media influencers, a lot of them are threes. Um, And then a lot of self-help authors are actually threes as well because they're able to help others be successful like themselves. Type four is the individualist. They want to be unique and different. They will express this through their clothing or life choices. They're often very creative and sensitive. 
and they want to be real and authentic with other people. And so they invite other people to do the same. Not everyone's ready to be that way. So they sometimes struggle or feel frustrated if people feel fake to them. Um, and they can get caught up or stuck in their emotions, especially in melancholy. Type five is the investigator. They enjoy learning information and they can be very cerebral, but also emotionally detached and kind of emotionally unaware sometimes too. They're often introverted, but not always. And they are analytical and logical, sometimes intense. Type six is the loyalist. They're loyal. <laughs> they're committed. They're a great team player. They're a planner and good at noticing potential pitfalls for a plan. And this can sometimes sound critical from other people. Um, but what they're really just trying to do is avoid potential issues with a plan or an idea. They're very responsible. They have difficulties with anxiety and sometimes feeling vulnerable. And they're very aware of safety concerns. Type seven is the enthusiast. They are always up for an adventure. They enjoy new things, new situations. They like to make people laugh. They can be spontaneous. But all this preoccupation with what they enjoy allows them to avoid maybe feelings that aren't positive or tasks and conversations that are uncomfortable. They can be kind of scattered, but they're also really great at generating ideas and possibilities. And finally, type eight is the challenger. They are confident, powerful. They can be confrontational and even steamroll other people in their process. They can be kind of dominating, but they're also really good at being an advocate and saying what other people won't say. They're willing to lead. And they sometimes have difficulties with being vulnerable or the fear of being taken advantage of. I think this is very interesting because when I had the conversation with you, I did the test. I guessed my personality type before I did the test, and then it was spot on in the test. Now, I'm not going to say what my personality type is, but once I had it confirmed, I then started looking around, and particularly on Pinterest, you can put your Enneagram type, and it comes down with lots of little things like, you know, how we like to spend our free time, how we would cope with stress and, and the ideal careers. And it was quite interesting for me because most people, we sort of know our general personality. But I thought when it came up with things, how we cope in a stressful situation, I found that quite interesting and, and I did check in several of these just to make sure one wasn't completely different to the others and for me it's sort of looking at the negative things I was more interested in I mean I know you know I'm quite a practical quite an organized person but some of the things I will class as negative really piqued my interest so my question Marnie is why would people come to an Enneagram coach? What do they come to you for and what can you actually help them with? Sometimes it's just figuring out their type. There are two types, types nines and six, that really struggle with identifying who they are. Nines because they can see perspectives from every different perspective. Um, so they can have a hard time knowing themselves. Sixes um, often need an outside perspective to confirm what they already know. They kind of struggle more with self-doubt. So sometimes I'll just help someone figure out their type. 
for other people, they've looked into the Enneagram and they really like the system and how it understands people or how it explains what people do. And so they're wanting help from someone who understands that system and can help them grow using the Enneagram. Because it does look at the why, then it helps you to be aware of why am I doing this or why am I reacting this way? And maybe look at alternatives. So it's a great tool for growth in that way too. I discovered this probably about three weeks ago. And I think we had a conversation a week ago um, about doing the podcast. And I have just found the whole thing fascinating. I've spent hours looking at information on Google. I've spent hours looking at the different things on, on Pinterest that people have put on there. I think the thing for me is when you look at your type and then if you look at another type, you can see, for example, in a stressful situation, my type would do this. In another type, they would do something completely different. And I can see how if you did this exercise of the Enneagram test with your partner or your family or your co-worker, your friend, when you can understand their personality type, you can say, okay, so I understand why I think this or I feel this, but now I can understand why the other person feels something completely different or does something completely different. So particularly in a relationship, and I asked my husband to do the test the other day and he did the test. And then I looked at his sort of test results and we went through it together and he was surprisingly quite spot on himself saying, yeah, I agree with that. Yeah, I agree with that. And he's quite a sceptical person. I didn't expect him to agree with it at all. And I think he was probably about 90%. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's, you know, that's, that's me, basically. And I was really surprised. Yeah, this can be such a fun tool for relationships because it helps us to not take someone else's behavior as personally when we can understand it. And, you know, I'll, I'll reveal I'm a type one and ones struggle with anger. And person who taught me about the Enneagram said, well, don't be surprised if a one gets angry. That's what they do. <laughs> so, you know, it's maybe not about the other person that the one is engaging with. It's just, that's kind of what they struggle with. I'm just a one doing one things, struggling with one things. And so if I can look at my partner that way, who's a nine, the most stubborn type, <laughs> then I can say, okay, he's a nine doing nine things. He's going to get stubborn in this situation because that's kind of what he does. And it's not really about me. But this to me seems such a simple way to understand the other person once you've got the result I think the problem is going to be getting the other person to be open to taking the Enneagram test and it's a simple question multiple choice question is it do you agree very strongly not at all sort of thing it's it's not rocket science and you sort of just whiz through it I mean there's nothing I don't think particularly personal in there that you know is going to shock anybody 
I really can see in relationships how this can really help and just open your eyes into maybe why your partner will look at the same situation as you are looking at, but completely different. They, they see a completely different side to you. Yeah, and that all of those perspectives are valid. Like, that was what was really helpful for me because as a one, I tend to narrow things down to right or wrong. And to be exposed personally to these eight other types and how they interact with the world and that those ways are just as valid as how I do, that's really helped me to see, oh, okay, like they're not wrong, they're just different. And to, I don't know, maybe because I enjoy the organization of it and it's kind of putting people into boxes, which I like, (laughs) Um, I think it helps me to just engage with the world in such a different way and a less judgmental way. I I think that's a very valid point about understanding other people. I think the only thing I struggle with is maybe accepting some of the negative things that are gonna come up. You know, the Enneagram is maybe going to say, I'm trying to think of an example that I saw, maybe the way that, you know, it's saying you're not generally a patient person or something. Yes, I am a patient person. But just mm-hmm. the way you express it, of course I'm a patient person. What's the problem? No problem. And you think, hang on a minute, I'm displaying exactly what it's telling me without even realizing. Yeah, well, I think that's the perfect example of like the type that annoys you the most is probably you. Because No, that's not me. I don't. Oh, my gosh, I do that. <laughs> I think that's when, when you said in the, in the introduction, part that. Or, or, or the type that annoys you most, that's going to be you, isn't it? And it's almost like looking in the mirror. And when we look in the mirror and we don't like what we see, you think, well, you don't like it because you know that's what you do or how you are. And yeah. So let's focus on some of these sort of negative things that have maybe made us think oh my god you know am I really that type of person how can we then work on that then Marnie well I think just even the awareness of it knowing what our potential challenges might be in a situation or where I might go emotionally if something happens and stress and the Enneagram actually has a system for you to know this because you are connected to two other numbers with those points of the star. And so I'll use myself as an example. I'm a one and I'm connected to the four and the seven. So when I'm stressed, I'm gonna go to the, what I call shadow side of the four. So maybe the less enjoyable parts of the four, I will get melancholy. I will get stuck in the mentality that no one understands me, I'm all alone. And I like to look at that as the four has what I need to move through the stressful situation. So I actually need to get in touch with my emotions to be able to move through this stressful situation. Um, Initially, I looked at that as something negative, like, oh, I don't like who I am when I'm stressed. But actually, it's my brain trying to move to what I need. So maybe I just need to 
be curious about those emotions that are showing up and offer myself some compassion and understanding for where I'm at. So while we do see the negatives, maybe maybe there's something in there that we actually need to get through the stressful situation so that we can then move out of those negative parts of ourselves. I think it's very interesting what you say, for example, when you say you sort of get melancholy. If we know from finding out our personality type and we know this is sort of our default personality, when something happens that maybe upsets us or we get stressed or we can say, okay, my default is to get melancholy. Once you've identified that, you can think, okay, well, that's my default, but actually I don't have to do that. That would be my natural, but I can actually go somewhere else with this. Yeah. So maybe whereas I would get stuck in that melancholy, I can notice that process as it's happening. Like, oh, here I go. Is there something else I could do with this? Or are there other alternatives to just getting stuck? Maybe I can just feel my emotions and then move through them. Or I can look at maybe how other types respond. One of my best friends is a seven. And so I might say, you know, what would she do in this situation? She would generate ideas. Okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna start writing down all the other options right now. That is absolutely huge, isn't it? To say, okay, this is what I would normally do, but actually this time I'm not gonna do that. I'm going to look at where else I could go. And as you say, this is what your friend who's a type seven would do. And she'd be busy making the list of her options. And so immediately we've almost got like a life belt to say, okay, you've got another option. Let's look somewhere else and and see what can happen. It's almost like you can stay where in theory you would normally go with the melancholy feelings and and being stuck or you can say no I'm not going to go there I'm going to look at another option that's huge yeah nobody knows about this or or am I just the only person (laughs) on the planet that doesn't know about this maybe everybody else does know and they live their life this way (laughs) you know the Enneagram shows up in really interesting environments some businesses use the Enneagram to run their business more effectively, to find out what people's strengths are, um, find out you know who the idea generators are, who the leaders are, who the peacemakers are. And then it also is really big on um, certain college campuses. It's interesting where you find pockets of people who know, but I would say generally for the most part, my experience has been that people are not familiar with the Enneagram. I've probably known about this sort of three to four weeks and I've asked people and one person said, oh, yes, I, and we had this great conversation about the Enneagrams, but that was one person. I, I just feel this is something that is so useful. I can see it's useful for yourself as an individual. It could be useful in a, in a relationship with whether it's your romantic partner or whether family partners, and certainly in businesses. I mean, I know we've got things like the Myers-Briggs and you end up the four-letter code, but I don't think it goes 
much further. You know, you end up the four-letter code and that's it. But this, I think, takes you a lot further. And I think you are able to discover the other types. And as you say, you can then look at the numbers the other side. So I was taught, especially Enneagram coaching, by Dr. Tom LaHue. And he really emphasized that we have kind of this council of numbers around us. So while we have our connections to where we go when we're stressed, where we go when we're secure, we also have numbers on either side of us, our wings. And so those can also offer alternatives as well for how we might respond. And a great tip for growth is, you know, we tend to have one wing that's a little more dominant than the other. And so a tip for growth is lean into that non-dominant wing. You know, I'm a wing nine, so I tend to default to being a peacemaker. But what if I lean into that too and I allocate jobs to other people or I communicate my needs to other people because I'm more in relationship with them? That's going to be challenging for me, but that's going to help me grow. Interesting, interesting. So just to recap, we do the test and we end up with our type. But then looking at the wheel, we've got two other numbers either side. But then we've also got the wings. So it's not just looking at your number. That's where you would start. And that's going to bring a few things out of the woodwork, I know. And then you start sort of progressing round the circle to see other things that you can draw on or maybe look at to say, okay, this is what I would normally do. Let's look on the opposite side of it. Right. Yeah. So people who come to you then, Marnie, who often have a problem just trying to work out what their type is, Once you've discovered their type and you've gone through the, okay, well, yes, I understand this about myself, but this is a real shocker, which I think we all have when we sort of look at the Enneagrams. What would be your next stage with that person? What what would, would you give them some homework? Would you give them a book to read or what would you suggest they do? I think I would ask them what about their current life bothers them the most because it's whatever they're bumping into most frequently that's irritating them that I would want to tackle. So, you know, maybe it's at work they don't feel appreciated. So using the Enneagram, why does that bother you, first of all? You know, maybe maybe a two who really enjoys taking care of people and helping people, they don't have people at work that take care of them. And so we can understand and empathize and have compassion for that part of you that feels really hurt by that and why that bothers you so much. But then, okay, let's look at what are your needs when you're at work? What are your options? Could you speak up for yourself? Is there someone that you could talk to about this? Or how are you meeting those needs outside of work? So I would really try to pick an issue that is currently really bothering them. Um, Because once they learn these tools around how to attack that issue, and they have these very practical tools that they've practiced, then they can apply those in other areas of their lives, because it's probably going to be a theme throughout their life. I mean, that is so interesting what you're saying. Start with the thing that's bothering you most. 
And then the example you gave at work, they don't feel appreciated. And it's what can you do in the workplace to make you feel better? And then maybe what can you do for yourself to make you feel better? Working on those two things is huge to help you feel more appreciated. And it gives you the power. You're not dependent on the situation changing or other people changing. It's looking at what you can do personally. That brings me to this point where they say, it doesn't matter what happens to you. It's how you feel, how you react or what you're going to do about what happens to you. That's the difference, isn't it? So we... We can't really change what people do to us, but we can change what we do in return of that or how how we react to it, what we say, what we do. That's the difference, isn't it? We also can change the story that we tell ourselves about that person or why they're doing what they're doing. You know, I think, again, that's what makes the Enneagram powerful is we can depersonalize these situations. Like what if your boss is a five and they're just really focused on the task at hand and they're not emotionally connecting with you. And it's not because they don't care about you or you're annoying to them. It's just that they're a five doing five things. Oh my God. I mean, this is just, it's it's just going down a rabbit hole, isn't it? It really is. The more you, talk about it the more things come up and when you're talking I can just see how that can help you in a work environment in in a romantic relationship relationships with your family and friends I mean it's as if you all want to go out and you know get everybody to do the the personality test so you can say oh right so now I know why my sister is da 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 because she's a four or a two or whatever Right. Yeah. And, and I do want to caution people like it, it can be really tempting to just type everyone around you and be gentle with that because people are truly the experts on themselves. So while we may think they're a certain number, it's really important that they get the space to discover what they are. And there are some people in your life that are not going to take the test. They're not going to engage in the Enneagram. And so you know, if you kind of have an idea of who they might be, it can be helpful to still go, okay, they're being a four right now. I see that. But I think it can be helpful if people do find out what they are themselves and really look at their own motivations. So Marnie, can you talk about some of the people that you have been helping with the Enneagram? They've come to you, you, you sort of work through where they are in the various types they've sort of looked at the positives and the negatives they've done some work what has happened after that have they sort of gone off in the sunset quite happy they know their strengths their weaknesses and why they do what they do or think the way they think do do you sort of have a catch up with those people sort of six months down the line to see how they're doing you know sometimes people will return to me struggling with some kind of issue you know, we, we will have worked through something together and then they're like, okay, I'm good. I'm going to put it into practice. And then they'll come back and say, okay, I've got this other issue. But because they've done the work with the Enneagram and they've been so aware of themselves and the people in their life, it's usually pretty quick work to just continue to use that framework 
to understand the situation and then to identify what needs to shift. I, I think that's interesting what you say, because when we look at sort of the negative parts of our personality, that's generally probably where we need to start because we can look at this and oh yeah I agree on this I agree on that I agree on that and they're hopefully sort of good things it's when we get down to the negative things and we think okay this is where I need to start doing the work and there might be just one thing there could be 20 things and that's where the work really begins doesn't it and things in our personality where Okay, when I get stressed, I withdraw or I, whatever you, you do, that's where I need to do the work. Yeah, and also reframing it. You know, when I withdraw, what do I need to do to help myself? Because maybe withdrawing is what I need, but what can I do during that time that's also going to be helpful to me? We all experience difficulties in life and we all have bad days. And so, I think it's also giving permission to, you know, for me to go be a four when I'm having a bad day, but to be a productive four, like, you know, use that time or that space to help me move toward who I want to be as well. I do remember reading a question in, in a magazine article not so long ago. And one of the questions was, if you've had a really stressful day, how do you get over that stressful day do you you know go out on the town or go and do activities and mix with lots of people or do you sort of go home and sort of be in your own space maybe just a, a hot bath or a cup of tea and a good book and just try and think it through in your own time and I thought that was quite interesting I know it only gave two options but I think some people need to go out and, and paint the town red. That's their way of dealing with it and tomorrow's another day. Other people need to go home and sit quietly. I, I guess that's a bit like understanding yourself in certain situations. And, you know, those two examples that you gave, that's very like extrovert and introvert. And what we know about each type is that they can be extroverted or introverted. So, you know, if, if I'm a type one and I have a friend who's a type one, we may respond to stress differently. But yeah, you know, understanding what it is that we need, you know, maybe um, I need to journal about it or maybe I need to go out and just forget about it and get some space from it. Maybe I need to call up a friend and talk about it. I think just knowing your options and knowing what's going to be meaningful for you helps you to honor where you're at. Oh, this is just going down so many rabbit holes. I think this is, this is amazing. Marnie, if people have listened to this conversation and they want to know a bit more. You know, I think different personality types are going to respond to this differently. So, you know, maybe someone who's more action oriented is going to want to take a test and go for it. Find a test. And then I recommend when you do take a test, look at your top three. So look at descriptions of each of those types. And the Enneagram Institute has a great website where you can look at each type specifically. And it even has this really cool tool where it kind of looks at varying stages of health for each type. So maybe where you're at and, and then maybe where you want to grow to. 
But I think just reading up on those top three from the test and then narrowing it down to what you think you are and then explore. You know, Pinterest is really fun. Instagram is really fun. There's all kinds of great memes that are super relatable for every type that kind of makes it comical. Like, oh my gosh, that's me. And then if you want to do a deeper dive, this can get complicated real fast. So, you know, stay where you're at, stay with the information you're comfortable with, but there's also subtype. So within each type, there's three subtype and there's websites like, you know, the Enneagram Institute. Um, I was also looking at the Enneagram at work.com has great information about subtype. And sometimes people don't fully identify with like a type three, but they may identify with a subtype of the type three. So that can kind of narrow it down as well, but also get overwhelming. (laughs) I I can understand that. I was just thinking, wouldn't it make it so much easier if you knew what your boss's type was? You just think it would make your life so much easier in the office. (laughs) Yeah, well, and I find that once people learn about the Enneagram and they enjoy it, they talk about it. And they talk about it with such enthusiasm that other people are like, oh, my gosh, what is that? I want to take it. And, you know, it's even come up like at Thanksgiving dinner in my family. And then a bunch of people are off taking the quiz on their phones. And, you know, I'm getting to learn about all these people in these different ways. And so, you know, sometimes just talking about it, um, sharing what you have learned about yourself through it encourages other people to take it. But not always. So (laughs) your boss may not. So this is like a huge, huge subject. So we need to sort of go at it slowly, be comfortable with, you know, maybe take the test. Okay, you found out your type. Just look around on Pinterest, look around, see what's going on 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 Instagram, for example, and then go through it slowly. Because I think if you start diving off in all these different directions, I think you'll drive yourself crazy. So nice and slowly digest the information as you come across it. I mean, this is just fascinating. And I would love to share just a word of compassion. You know, anytime you're learning something new about yourself, it can feel kind of invasive or vulnerable. And so definitely move at your own pace and honor where you're at. You know, for my partner, he doesn't particularly enjoy the Enneagram because it does feel kind of invasive. And for other people, they're going to have that similar reaction. And so honor where you're at. Don't overwhelm yourself. Be compassionate with yourself. Oh, Marnie, I think that is brilliant, brilliant words and advice to finish the podcast. It's been absolutely brilliant. I mean, I am so excited about this. I've made a few notes and I'll make sure I put all the uh, addresses about the Enneagram at work and the Enneagram Institute so that people can sort of have a little rummage around on the websites. Marnie, thank you so much for all your information and words of caution and ideas. And thank you very much for being a guest on the All About You podcast. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me. I love talking about the Enneagram. So thanks for this chance. Oh, thanks, Marnie. Welcome to the All About You podcast. My name is Sheila and I am your host. In this podcast, I invite everyday people to tell their stories of their travels, passions and what makes them happy. 
So if you have a story to tell, please contact me on All About You Podcast at yahoo.com and let's tell your story. So now for today's conversation. <laughs> 